a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Liam Murray and Marty Carpenter in for Boyd Matheson today. And you know, there's this word that you hear a lot when you talk about evil, and it's yeah. Axis, right? There were the Axis powers during World War II. There's the Axis of evil, as George W. Bush uh, coined that phrase or made it a little more popular in 2002 in the State of the Union address when he was referring to Iran, North Korea, and Iraq. And, uh, you know, Russia now has kind of entered the mix. They're they're back for round right. two after the Cold War was over for a while. Uh, and relying on countries like Iran and North Korea to supply weapons to Russia for its war in Ukraine all ties into that as well. But with protests breaking out in Iran, uh, could this access of evil, so to speak, be on collapse or be a, a, on the on the brink of collapse, I guess is the way to yeah. say Yeah. And luckily we've got with us Colonel Jonathan Sweet, who is a retired Army colonel serving 30 years as a military intelligence officer, leading the U.S. European Command Intelligence Engagement Division from 2012 to 2014, working with NATO partners in the Black Sea and the Baltics. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thank you for uh, for having me back and uh, allowing Mark Poth and I to, uh, to talk off things Ukraine. I love that. Can you um, tell us what is this axis of evil and how did Russia get in? How did they become the leader? Yeah, so, so you hit it off right up front. You know, President Bush forewarned um, us uh, about the, uh, the axis of evil. in uh, those three countries, obviously, Iraq, Iran, and North Korea. Um, but obviously, in 2000, um, 2003, when Saddam Hussein's regime was overthrown, uh, the position was vacated by Iraq, and, and uh, Russia uh, has has stepped into that position. Um, and they have emboldened the axis of evil, but they've actually turned the axis of evil more into what we would frame, Mark and I framed in an article that we wrote for the National Security News, uh, the, uh, arsenals of, um, the arsenals of evil, uh, meaning that uh, they had turned those two countries into suppliers for the shortfalls that they're having in uh, ammunition. Uh, for their for their artillery, but also for uh, their drones and their cruise missiles. So, uh, Colonel Sweet, how have yeah. Iran and North Korea been helping Russia with its war in Ukraine? It's, it seems like it's never as simple as this country versus this country in any kind of conflict. It's always more of like a, a WWE tag team kind of thing, and someone's going to jump in and throw a chair, or someone's helping in some other way. So how has that all played out? It's it's really a uh, I mean, it's a partnership. It's uh it's it's something that they've uh, they've had uh, they've been working together for years, particularly North Korea in in Russia, but also with uh, with Iran. But with Iran, they've been getting technology, uh, and they've been given technology too. So it's been an exchange. But now Russia's had to, to turn to Iran uh, for those extended range drones, uh, the Shahid one thirty sixes, but also uh, for cruise missiles, and and it turned to North Korea too because they have worn out. Their artillery stockpiles for their 155 artillery 
uh, tubes. And they turned to North Korea to, to backfill them with those rounds. But they've also turned to North Korea for winter clothing, too. So um, where, their, where their wartime stockpiles have been depleted after 10 months of combat, they've had to turn to their partners to replenish them. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Right, so I'm thinking... You know, it was never a good idea to invade Ukraine, right? Putin should not have right. done it. But I'm feeling like it wasn't a good idea. It puts all this pressure on what was their partnerships, but also in Iran, right? Like everything that's happening in your article, you're talking about um, the announcement, right, that they might abolish that morality police and all right. of the protests that are happening there. Can you speak to how when you are Russia and you are deciding to do something that's maybe foolhardy, which is invade Ukraine, at the same time that you're relying on Iran, who's got its own internal issues, like how this house of cards starts to crumble? Yeah, it really is a Russia first policy. And I, and I think we've seen that um, and for years, but obviously uh, the culminating point being there in uh, February 24th. Uh, no, they, uh, they they expect much in return for what they give. And uh, the expectation for both North Korea and, and Iran is that, is that they support them. Uh, and, and in their case, the support's come in, 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 the, uh, in terms of, of munitions. But what it's doing to Iran right now is forcing Iran to balance uh, domestic issues that they're having right now uh, with um, the uprisings of students, uh, particularly young women, college-age students. But it, it's, it's broader than that. It's about uh, it's about freedom and the ability to express oneself. It's, it's personal restrictions that are placed upon the Iranian citizen. This has been festering for years, and it's finally come to the surface. Uh, and, our, and Iran has to deal with that. And at the same time, Iran's feeling a pinch from, from Russia, who's calling upon them to say, you owe me. I need this, and you will give me this. So they are in a bind, and it's forcing them and will force them to make decisions on, do I turn inward to to take care of my domestic issues, or do I continue to feed um, uh, Putin in Russia? So what are you watching for in the days and weeks ahead? Well, I tell you, and not just Iran and not just North Korea, because they are players, but uh, I, I do watch in the days ahead uh, what's going on in Belarus. Uh, we've seen uh, just, just more indicators that something's going on. I mean, the Russian Minister of Defense arrived in Minsk uh, three days ago, and, and they re-signed in agreement uh, to support one another. Uh, we're seeing Russian troops in the area. We're seeing mobilization to, to combat what they call a potential terrorist issue. Uh, we're seeing this continuous fighting in the Donbass and just bloodshed just from both Russians and Ukrainians in, that are being killed there. And we're seeing a buildup of combat power in the Kherson area and what may eventually become a, uh, an assault on Crimea. 
So uh, we see three French right now, and then we see the external players. So um, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting winter. Colonel Sweet, th- retired Army Colonel, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you very much, and I appreciate the opportunity to come back and talk with you all. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you, I need everyone to just calm down. <laughs> I need <laughs> these actors to stop being bad actors on the world stage. Simmer down now. Just yeah, yeah chill yeah. out a little bit. All right. Coming up, New York Times journalists are on strike. Did yeah. you notice that? Did you? <laughs> why? I'd love to know why, and uh, we'll find out next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.